You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Welcome, everyone, to today's episode of Critical Mass Radio. My name is Janice Davis, and I'm your guest host today, filling in for Rick Franzi. I am thrilled to be here. We have a great show in store for you. We'll be speaking with Kent Schmidt, a partner at Dorsey Attorneys, as well as Adrian Buskey, CEO and co-founder of Nerd for a Living. This business talk show airs live on Tuesdays and Wednesdays at 4 p.m. and Thursdays at 3 p.m. Heard live exclusively on Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net. If you're listening to this show as a podcast, we encourage you to listen live during our broadcast times. This show is brought to you by Decision Toolbox, Smart Business Magazine, Succession Strategies, Center Club, SNH Rubber, MBN Design, Tone Software, and UPS Protection. So a huge thanks to all of our sponsors. The goal, of course, for this show is to help you, our listening audience of CEOs running middle market firms, to improve your decision-making skills. So with that, it gives me great pleasure to welcome Kent to the program. Hi, Kent. Hi. We're really excited to have you. Uh, you have actually been on here before, haven't you? I have. It's a pleasure to be back. Thank yeah, you for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. So, can you give us just a little reminder for anyone that you know maybe wasn't listening last time about Dorsey and, and what you guys do? Sure. Dorsey is a full service uh, law firm on in uh, three major areas: Asia, the United States, and Europe. We have about 19 offices and about 600 lawyers. Wow. Uh, within the firm, and we have about 25 lawyers in our Southern California office, which is uh, where I where I work. Okay, okay. So do you take cases from all over or do you mainly focus on California? Well, we, you know, obviously do all sorts of litigation in every city in which we have a presence and a lot of other places as well. We do transactional work, you know, from Asia to London. Wow. Um, we do international litigation, both of smaller litigation here locally and um, international litigation. And so we have a, a team of people that I enjoy collaborating with that have expertise in various areas from IP litigation, employment litigation, international arbitrations, um, and it keeps it keeps it quite interesting. I bet, I bet. I mean, just in my daily life as an author and a host, I always get questions about, well, what would you do in this legal situation? And we always talk about, well, we gotta ask a lawyer, we gotta ask somebody who knows. So, you know, I know that we have a lot to go over, including some some really cool ways to avoid litigation, ways to avoid uh, litigation risks. Where do you want to jump in? Should we jump into one of those uh, sure. topics for businesses and get those tips? Sure. For the last, I, I've been a, a lawyer for 16 years and um, have litigated almost every imaginable type of dispute, although it never ceases to amaze me uh, the new issues I encounter. I bet. Uh, but I've litigated a lot of different situations and claims and counterclaims, and every case uh, has one thing in common. And that one thing is it presents, it's it's the culmination of a very significant problem hmm. for the parties or the businesses that are involved. And it can be anything from a you know minor hassle, if it's a small piece of litigation for a Fortune 500 company, just a, you know, a, a pesky piece of uh, litigation that a, a consumer has brought, to being a bet the company case that is going to essentially terminate the enterprise after you know lots and lots of money have, has gone into it um, lots of hours and blood sweat and tears have have been invested into a company and the litigation can essentially represent you know the iceberg to the titanic and wow. be the end of what would otherwise be a very successful enterprise and there are far-reaching implications for litigation if it, if it is of that significance there are individuals who's who are going to be out of a job there are shareholders who through no fault of their own are going to lose significant investment in the company um, major distraction for um, management as they try to consider um, how to best approach it and so what I have tried to do in more recent years is to focus on litigation avoidance just mm -hmm. as in the medical industry um, several decades ago doctors started, focusing not just on how to treat illnesses, but how to prevent, prevent illnesses right. through fitness and checkups and health and so forth. Um, what I try to do is 
focus on helping my clients understand where they're likely going to be hit with litigation. And every business is a little different with a different risk profile depending on what type of business they are. It completely makes sense. What are the most common just background things that we should keep in mind as small business owners or someone about to open a business? Particularly for startups, there's a significant area of litigation that I call corporate formalities litigation. It's the failure of a startup to think through the process of how the stock is, if they're going to create a corporation or LLC, how the stock is going to be uh, issued, um, failure to follow through with um, documenting who's contributing what capital to the corporation, both in in terms of dollars and cents, as well as working capital. And you often see that what happens is everyone's friends at first, and they're working out of someone's garage, and everything seems to be going okay. And then all of a sudden, someone comes along and wants to buy the company, and now the stakes are much higher. And those you know, gentlemen's agreements and not very well documented shareholder agreements um, end up being a huge problem. Or there ends up being tax issues or the opposite end of the spectrum. Perhaps something bad happens and someone brings a lawsuit. Have you followed the corporate formalities so that the entity, which has may- maybe has very little in assets, is liable, worst case scenario, but you individually are not liable? And so there's something, it's a very scary phrase that we use called piercing the corporate veil. And what that essentially means is, notwithstanding the fact that the entity is the party that should be sued, the party, the plaintiff that's brought the lawsuit is actually going to sue the individuals behind the entity and go Mm -hmm. after their personal assets. So failure to follow corporate formalities is a significant area for startups to be be very well aware of. Is that something that they can do that a, that a business startup can do on their own or should they start talking to someone like Dorsey from the very beginning? Well, we have a program at Dorsey called Start at Dorsey with the um, trendy uh, uh, at sign. And, nice, I um, like that. <laughs> and it's specifically designed with some flat fee arrangements for dealing with um, the limitations that a startup has. It, it is not as complicated as it is sometimes portrayed at the other end of the spectrum, though, um, if there's any level of sophistication to the enterprise that you're starting, you know, I do not favor just Googling and pulling down forms and so forth. I've actually litigated over do-it-yourself type forms that were right. created. And you have to think about, I'm issuing stock. What regulatory um, issues am I triggering by issuing stock? You have to consider... Is this better as an LLC or a corporation? Those are things that a very little bit of money up front and getting some advice, particularly in a start at Dorsey um, type of a program, can end up saving a a multitude of that number um, down the road if if things go wrong. If if you're an individual running your own business, is it less risk? Then if you're starting, like you said, in someone's garage and you're all working together and there's 5, 10, 15 people involved, would you want to bring everyone in that started Dorsey or or you just want to start out first on your own? Well, if you're literally on your own and perhaps not even incorporated and you're, you know, doing something for a very small amount of money, that's probably not worth incorporating, particularly if there's not significant risk and you'd want to talk to your tax advisor you know, an LLC might be an appropriate way to proceed in that situation. Uh, but if you're going to essentially give an equity interest in the enterprise to individuals and do that through shares, issuance of stock, that reaches a different level. And anytime you have a deal that's being worked out through founders of a company, right? You know, I as a litigator look down the road and say everyone's happy right now. But right. what happens if either things go incredibly bad, and all of a sudden there's potential liabilities, or things go incredibly terrific? And you want to be bought you know, out. My, or... Microsoft calls and says we'd like to we'd like to pay you a, a significant amount of money for this startup. Then there's significant issues that are going to arise, and maybe people that were friends before aren't so friendly now. Right. Absolutely. A lot of my litigation has to do with people that if you go back in time 
were terrific friends, had a, an amazing amount of trust for each other, and because of that, failed to document their deals, whether they're partners or shareholders uh, starting a company. The fact that they trusted each other so much means that they did not right. do the appropriate, engage in the appropriate steps. That whole get everything in writing up front. Uh, we're speaking with Kent Smith from Dorsey Attorneys, and we'll be right back. Stay with us because we will return with more ways to avoid costly litigation. We're going to get into corporate formalities, uh, customers, contracting partners, all kinds of good stuff. So stay tuned. And after these words from our valued sponsors, we'll be back. Can we talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well, what happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children? At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation, safely and securely ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's Succession-Strategies.com. Today's businesses are embracing voice over IP telephones and unified communication desktop technologies to more effectively communicate and collaborate with their customers, suppliers, and colleagues. The Reliatel management software from Tone Software Corporation helps organizations of all sizes manage their communications technologies to ensure great voice quality and better levels of service and reliability throughout their business. Through Reliatel, you'll gain higher return on investments from VoIP and unified communications technologies while lowering the associated operational support and maintenance costs. Learn more. Visit www.tonesoft.com or call 800-833-8663 for information on Reliatel by Tone Software, the solution for quality business communications. Hey, did you know that over 73% of consumer packaged goods and retail products fail miserably within their first year? Why? Because they find themselves in the pit of unawareness. You don't want to go there. Call me, and I'll make sure that your packaging gets noticed. You know how I know? Because I'm the founder and creative director of MBN Design. We're one of Orange County's most established and trusted design firms. With over 20 years of experience, I can ensure that your brand will always stay new. Ask me how our packaging sold millions in months, or see for yourself other success stories on our website at www.mbndesign.com. We're MBN because we're making brands new. Call 714-458-8701 and talk to me, Hector Garcia. That's my cell, 714-458-8701. I'll be waiting for your call. Welcome back, everyone, to Critical Mass Radio Show. I'm Janice Davis, your guest host, and I'm here speaking with Kent Schmidt, partner at Dorsey Attorneys. I want to thank and acknowledge our listeners who download our show as a podcast. You have downloaded over 16,000 shows during the last 30 days, and we here at the program really appreciate your continued and growing support. As a reminder, all shows can be heard live on octalkradio.net or rebroadcast anytime from iTunes, Stitcher.com, and other business-oriented podcasting services. So, Kent, let's get back into it. We talked a little bit about corporate formalities, and let's jump into customers. All right. Well, let's uh, let's suppose you've followed all the corporate formalities, and you and your founders have are all um, squared away in terms of who owns what interest in the company, and that the company follows you know, the procedures and is, is all square with the uh, taxing authorities. And so you've got a good foundation, and now you've got this fantastic uh, product or service that you're going to start selling to consumers, okay. people and uh, throughout the state of California. And let's assume that you're not selling to corporations, but you're actually selling to people that are going to buy, individuals that are going to buy your product or obtain your service. Um, the next 
threat you need to think about is the very lifeblood of your business, which is your customer. Well. <laughs> and all the, though the customer is always right, the customer always represents a threat. Uh, to a successful enterprise. It's a good reminder because you don't always think about it like that, you know? <laughs> and I don't like to blame the customers. Right. I think the plaintiff's class action lawyers are the ones that are more often than not behind the customers. So um, there's a significant percentage of attorneys in the state of California particularly that make their living not off of clients that come in their door because they have a business dispute or a need that needs to be addressed, but based on an idea that there's a fair amount of consumer fraud that takes place, and it's true, there are deceptive practices that take place, but that um, they look for potential plaintiffs Hmm. that represent a class in the state of California to bring a class action. And there are good class actions that remedy significant wrongs. I don't want to only, you know, preach one side of it. Sure. But there's also class action abuse, and that's well known and well documented, and the legislation is passed from time to time to address some class action abuse. And so you need to be very mindful that um, um, when you put a product out there or do a service on a large scale, your customer base could end up being a class that is represented by an attorney who has a significant financial incentive to obtain um, some sort of judgment against you, or more often than not, it'll end up being a settlement before it gets to a judgment, saying you charged X and this additional fee on top of X was not disclosed, or the way you calculated the service wasn't fair, or the product that you provided, um, whether it's a laptop computer or... Um, uh, you know, some other um, product it has an unsafe component to it or um, uh, continues to fail and is defective. You know, those are the types of consumer class actions that we see. And so that's a potential area of litigation, and you need to be mindful of that, um, particularly if you're selling to doing business with consumers. One tip just to help us, how can we be mindful to prepare for those at all? Well, the unfair competition law in California is based on a fairness principle. That's one of the three prongs that you can uh, proceed under. And so, you know, I think it's sort of the quick check is, is everything that we're doing in connection with this transaction fair to consumer? Is there any sort of bait and switch? Is there any sort of hidden aspect of this product that is not being represented in a fair fashion. And fair is a very broad term. But just for a shorthand assessment, um, is there any part of our business model that is going to be harmful to consumers in any way? So great. It's just great to keep that in mind. You have to keep so many things in mind when you're running your business. Contracting partners, that, that is something we should talk about. Well, as the business continues to grow, you're going to be involved in collaborative um, uh, efforts. You're going to have vendors. You're going to have um, parties that you do business with that provide uh, an essential component to what you're going to be doing. There could even be joint ventures, which sure. is some sort of agreement, uh, maybe a, a co-branding type of arrangement. And so, obviously, the more complicated the contract that you're entering into, um, the more time should be spent and perhaps attorney um, engagement should be done to um, make sure that the um, agreement is clear, that you're not um, signing up for a potential liability that you don't want to, um, uh, that, that you're not aware of. There's indemnity provisions that can sometimes be difficult to understand. There's choice of law provisions. You could be agreeing with a contracting partner that you're going to litigate in New York. Hmm. Are you really agreeing and are you really prepared to you know, if things go south, hire a law firm in New York across the country and have all your witnesses fly to New York to litigate in state court in New York. Those types of um, issues are are routinely reviewed by attorneys and there can be pushback and negotiating with um, contracting partners to avoid litigation is a key area. Man, that's a lot. A lot to think about. It is. And we're not through the list and yet. And we're not even through. We're, we still have s- s- talk competitors. I mean, that's going to be huge. So let's say that things are going well. You are selling a great product. The consumers are happy. Your uh, partners that you're engaged in business with are happy, including your contracting partners. 
at some point in time with success is going to come another risk, and that is you're going to start getting market share. You're going to gain more and more of um, the market that's out there, and all of a sudden a competitor who was doing quite well before you came on the scene is starting to see their revenues go down. And so we see a fair amount of litigation uh, between competitors. The claims that are asserted are sometimes that the advertising that you're doing is deceptive, uh, particularly if it's comparative advertising and you are engaged in trade libel. Sometimes there are more sophisticated theories that are asserted, um, which are antitrust theories. If you are becoming, if you're crossing the line and becoming becoming anti-competitive in the manner in which you are um, engaging, there are you know uh, refusals to deal under the Cartwright Act, which is our state antitrust law. Uh, group boycotts, um, price fixing, um, those things become very complicated um, assessments in terms of determining the risk. But if you have a competitor who's lost a significant amount of revenue because you've come on the scene, you need to be mindful that that competitor um, potentially has significant claims. And under the Cartwright Act, their damages are trebled. So it's triple damages plus attorney fees if you lose a um, Cartwright Act claim. But, but these sound, and of course, correct me if I'm wrong, They sound it sounds vague and subjective. If someone were to say that your advertising is susceptible, it could, is, is, could that be their opinion, or can you enlighten us on if it's not as vague as it sounds? Well, deceptive advertising actually does come up more frequently from consumers than from competitors, although mm. I've seen competitors bring the claim. And, you know, it is it is subjective. Right. That's why... In some of these cases, it's going to have to go to a jury. And so the hmm. very consumers that perhaps you want to sell to could end up being the ones to decide whether it is deceptive. Experts, however, are often employed, you know, uh, experts that can testify on um, consumer trends, um, on uh, consumers' typical reaction to a particular set of facts or a product. Um, so it is subjective. But that doesn't mean that someone's not going to take a run at it. How much power do, do competitors have? I mean, you, you did say that it's it, it could obviously go to a jury, but you said with their damages is more risk for us if they're coming after us. Yes, because the damages under a current act are travel damages. So it's there's an incentive for a competitor to bring the claim, um, particularly if you're pressing that line of engaging in anti-competitive conduct, which is there's a long list of potential things that can fall under in in the scope of anti-competitive conduct. One way to protect ourselves? Well, you know, whenever you, here's a perfect example, whenever you are talking about prices and you're talking, I I always get very nervous at trade shows Mm. when people in the same industry are you know, at a at the cocktail bar after you know a long day, sure. and they start getting careless, and they start talking about what their prices are going to be doing, and someone across the 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 table says, "Well, this is what we think we're going to be doing." Next thing you know, you could have a potential price fixing claim, hmm. and you never even you it didn't was a think I'm going to I'm not going <laughs> to violate the antitrust laws right. right now. I'm just enjoying a drink at a trade show and talking with a competitor. So anytime you're speaking with a competitor, um, whether it's harmless, you know, seemingly harmless such as that, or it's, you know, you're talking to one competitor in order to get a third competitor out of the market, very significant potential antitrust um, issues there. Oh, my goodness. I, this is so good. I cannot believe we're almost out of time. Uh, well, our last thing we really wanted to touch on was employees. Employees. And I call them cogs in the wheels because I like to get – I try to get everything to start with a C. That's the only thing I can come up with. <laughs> I really like that. So, you know, the fact that it's the last doesn't mean it's not the most um, significant. In fact, um, almost every company, even if they're not selling to consumers, even if they're not, you know um, – Represent a, facing a risk from competitors, they have employees, or maybe they have independent contractors that should be classified as employees. Sure. Um, and employees have a myriad of rights in the state of California, um, ranging from everything from time off, meal and rest breaks, family leave issues, and the law on, in the employment arena is constantly changing. Um, you also have great potential for underperforming or non-performing employees, right. termination, 
Um, and those are the type of cases that can go on for a very, very long time because there's a lot of emotion sometimes tied up with a former employee who claims that um, they've been discharged and they're out of work and can't find a comparable job. Um, so those are significant issues in addition to all the ones we always think about, right. like sexual harassment in the workplace, things of that nature. Okay, okay. Well, how can we find you, follow you, get in touch with you for anyone listening that uh, might want to uh, use Dorsey Attorneys? Uh, the best way to reach me probably is to start at my blog, Left okay. Coast Law, and uh, it's easy to remember because we're here on the left coast, and I blog about these things not as frequently as I would like, but um, that's the best way to reach me, and then there's a link there to um, how to contact me um, through phone or email. Awesome. It's been such a pleasure having you. I hope we get to do this again. It's My just, pleasure. Absolutely. And, of course, we want to thank you because you are a re- reoccurring friend to the program. You're officially a part of the Critical Mass business community. So thank you again, Kent. Thank you. My pleasure. Glad to be here. Coming up, we will speak with Adrian Buski. Uh, he'll be joining us, so stay tuned. We'll be right back after this commercial break. When it comes to pioneers in their respective industries, we all know the Apples, Starbucks, and Trader Joe's of the world. In the realm of recruiting, Decision Toolbox is the industry's best-kept secret. With 90% of their business from referrals and repeat customers, for over 20 years, Decision Toolbox's U.S.-based team of recruiters, sourcers, professional writers, quality personnel, and tech support has perfected a Six Sigma approach to talent management. No matter the size of the project, Decision Toolbox delivers incredible results. A cost per hire less than half of what contingency firms charge. With the winning candidate presented in an average of 14 days. All with a 12-month candidate warranty. With results like that, Decision Toolbox won't be a secret for long. Visit us at www.dtoolbox.com for more information. If you are an Orange County CEO or a business owner, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have had these questions, then Critical Mass for Business might be the answer for you. Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions through the power of peer learning. These are groups of peers who are running businesses just like you. CEO Peer Groups provides a great sounding board to test fresh ideas and new concepts, review your strategic plans and tactical goals, and present issues and opportunities for a critical discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, and improved business results. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn about our CEO Peer Groups. CEO Peer Groups is a registered trademark of Critical Mass for Business. SNH Rubber is a manufacturing company in Fullerton, California. We specialize in custom molded, extruded, and stamped rubber parts. If your next job requires a rubber part, we would appreciate the opportunity to quote on it. We serve aerospace, automotive, and many other industries. We work with many types of rubber, including silicone, EPDM, neoprene, buninitrile, and viton. Our quality system is ISO and AS9100 approved. Over our 47 years in business, the SNH brand has become known for superior quality, quick turnaround, and competitive pricing. Please check out our website at www.shrubber.com or call 714-525-0277. Let SNH be your ceiling solution. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. My name is Janice Davis, and I'm your guest host today, filling in for Rick Franzi. I want to thank you all for listening to today's broadcast. Our audience demographic is actually 98% business owners and executives who listen to learn from our guests. If your firm is interested in reaching these top decision makers, then advertising on our radio show may be the answer. Each month, our sponsors gain valuable exposure through their support of the show. We deliver over 30,000 highly targeted sponsor impressions 
month. And to learn more, you can contact Rose Chimera at 951-515-4661. That's 951-515-4661. And all our shows can be found on our website, criticalmassforbusiness.com. And I'm really excited to introduce our next guest. We are going to be speaking with Adrian Buskey of Nerd for a Living. He's the CEO and co-founder. Welcome to the program. Hi, Janice. How you doing? Hi, Adrian. Now, Adrian, did I, did I say that correctly? Adrian Buskey. Yes, you did. Yes. Uh, I would uh, I would actually um, like to address one thing there. While I am a co-founder of the company uh, with my wife, Wendy Buskey, um, we kind of steer away from referring to ourselves as CEOs. Really? Uh, yeah. And, uh, and Please, the, enlighten, enlighten why. <laughs> well, there's a really specific reason behind that. Um, I think in the especially in the new internet age where uh, we're, it's much easier to start a company and, and get something going, uh, sometimes as simple as having a Facebook page or, or you know, a really simple, you know, fast set-up website, uh, you know, cropping up all over the place are people who refer to themselves as CEOs, that throw that on business cards and put it on LinkedIn, and they're CEOs of companies of sure. two people, one people, things like that. And uh, and it's been kind of my experience that it's uh, that the, the, the ter- like the term CEO is an earned thing. I think that that's something that represents a, a person who is sitting on top of a you know a, a middle to large size corporation um, and uh, is working over a lot of people. Sure, sure, makes sense. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, when you're small, when you're smaller, you're a startup and you're bootstrapping. I think it makes a lot more sense to refer to yourself by you know the the most direct application that you're doing every day. So in Absolutely. that sense. Uh, uh, I am creative director for the company as well as a co-founder. Creative director, I like it, and co-founder with Wendy Wesky. That's awesome. I, I just I love that you work together, and I really enjoy collaboration and that whole process. So, oh, we could talk forever about that. But but let's let's jump in and let our audience know. You know, how did you get to founding Nerd for a Living? What, what was that path? Well, uh, for me, uh, I worked in radio media and digital media for about 12 years before we got around to starting Nerd for a Living. Uh, I worked uh, for a major market radio company, MS Communications, uh, for 11 years. I started off my career at an internet startup, one of the early streaming video companies. Hmm. And uh, in my experience working in radio, a lot of what I, that I did there, uh, it was, uh, I came in as a, as a, essentially as a webmaster at ground level. I left as a corporate director working over um, all of the digital sales solutions for the company nationwide, okay. um, and uh, and so I had really you know I got this really broad experience of working with uh, companies everywhere from mom and pop small businesses uh, here in St. Louis where I'm based out of uh, to the biggest you know liquor movie uh, you know packaged good brands uh, in the country uh, and uh, and so you know it gave me this really wide swath of working with them. Uh, my wife works in uh, advertising, and so she's been at, at uh, three different major advertising agencies, uh, and uh, and so she has a similar kind of experience working with a lot of these different brands. It, and then, it's, that's um, the best because, I, I, especially working with customers, with clients, when you've had this taste of all of these different experiences. I know with you know me, I used to teach writing lessons, and I uh, used to work in a financial institution, and, and as an author and a host, and I'm able to speak to all those things, and you can really connect with people. Right. I think perspective is, is a really powerful thing in business. Uh, you know, we both have, uh, I worked before, way before all that, I worked in retail. She worked in and service industry. Um, and, hey, I hear, uh, I, hear, I hear someone cheering for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I apologize for the dog in the background. She doesn't say a word all day up until I'm, uh, I'm on one of these things. <laughs> no um, worries. But uh, um, so on top of all that stuff, you know, the, along, you know, alongside the career and all the things that we were doing, uh, we're also what we would refer to as people of the nerdist persuasion, um, where, you know, we have a lot of geeky interests in fandom and entertainment kinds of things. And, and so as part of that, we've, we go to conventions all the time all over the country. Yeah. Uh, we started doing it as fans. Uh, later, I was doing it as an exhibitor. And a little while after that, we started being speakers on panels and things. Um, because we had expertise in areas that people were looking for. Absolutely. And the conversation that we had continuously with people while we were at those conventions where people would say, you know, I really love all this stuff and I'm really, really interested in it. I wish I could work in something I'm passionate about, but I'm not a, I'm not a writer, I'm not a creator, I'm not an artist, I'm not a director, um, so I don't, I don't know where my in is. Sure. And, uh, you know, and the thing that we would always say to them was, well, 
you know, people like whatever this the, the, that industry path you're looking for, whether it's you know gaming or crafting or comics or film, um, they still need HR people. They need accountants. They you know they need people that do their their server farms. And, I cannot and, agree you know, more. That is so that is overlooked as well. Every time I speak to someone that wants to be involved in the video game industry, the movie industry, uh, uh, the literary industry, they forget that that every business needs more than creatives. Right. Yes, and I think I think you know a lot of times that's because you have those very top level people that are visible to the general public, and uh, and for a lot of people that's that's all they see, and so they don't think about it. They don't think that that their skill set, that whatever what they might think of as being relatively mundane, uh, is something that's completely applicable to things that they love. And then on the the flip side of it, um, there's there are also uh, a lot of people who are opportunistically trying to get into companies that do things they love, like say like a, a you know a Blizzard, which is you know a, a gaming company uh, and one of the big ones. Uh, you know, I've talked to their hiring executives before, and they talk about the fact they get ten thousand resumes for any job that they put out there, mm-hmm. but but probably 90% of them are not qualified, and 9% of the remaining 10 are in some other area of the country that they're not going to hire from for that particular kind of position. Right. So, you know, you're looking at 99% of, of the people um, that just aren't qualified for it. And having been a hiring manager, that's a nightmare. It's a really hard thing to, to dig through, uh, and it feels very unfair to people sometimes, but they don't realize that they're throwing their name into a really big hat and they're getting lost in it. Right. So, so we so, saw uh, we saw an opening in that space of uh, of an underserved community of people that wanted to get into things that they were really passionate about, they really loved, but they weren't sure what their, their niche was, and uh, and a way to educate them about doing that uh, you know, strategically, intelligently, uh, and looking at things you know with a long term goal for you know a really fulfilling career path. Oh, absolutely. And that includes yeah, that includes both getting hired at existing companies um, and also building their own businesses. So, Adrian, how how exactly can Nerd for a Living help someone? What what do you guys offer your clients? So the initial thing, Nerd for a Living has been around for just just over a year. We launched uh, in July of, of last year. And, uh, and so our initial step out, out was to um, make ourselves an educational resource. So the, the first thing we wanted to do in branding our name and getting, getting ourselves out there was to, uh, to deliver you know, the message I just talked about and then give actionable information. Right. And what I mean, what I mean by that is, is, uh, is having you know, content on our website um, that is specifically targeted at people in these different niches and telling them, you know, here's how to market yourself, here's how to present yourself, here's how to work your resume, your LinkedIn profile, things like that. There's a lot of that stuff out there, um, tons of that stuff out there in the blogosphere, but, um, but a lot of it's not targeted at our niche. It doesn't speak their language. It doesn't, it doesn't approach them uh, as the layperson uh, and, and a layperson with a specific kind of background. So that was part of it was allowing us to, to take you know, our business acumen and then combine it with our nerdiness and, and use that in the messaging. Um, and then we also have a, uh, a podcast, uh, uh, which is it's an interview podcast, and we talk to professionals in a variety of different industries, everything from your kind of top-level editor-in-chiefs and, and CEOs and, and, you know, and creators that are you know, more visible, uh, down to people who are director of admissions at, at universities and, and uh, artist managers and things like that, um, that, that tell us anecdotally both what their careers are like and the paths that they've had and then in the, in the current space who they're hiring what they're looking for what the pathways are to those things so that's today and uh, and then on top of that we do we still do a lot of speaking engagements so we go to these very targeted conventions and uh, and, you know, and speak to audiences that are looking and hungry for this information right and i and like that you I like that you clarified how there may be a lot out there to explaining, you know, what you can do to present yourself or to do an interview for your resume. But uh, for particular entertainment industries, there is a different language. And I like that you said that because it is very true that artists, creators, comics, all these video games, they, they, it is a different language. I talk about that in my books. Yeah, it's. It, they, there's a there's an idiom and a vernacular that exists in those worlds, and then each one of those industries is very different as well. Each one of them has their own, you know, uh, the, like I said, their own vernacular and, and dialect. Um, you know, if you jump from gaming into comics into uh, into film, every one of those has a very specific you know language. Absolutely, and I think think sometimes too when we talk to people that are in the university you know that are actively doing classes and trying to get at these things now too the schools sometimes are are building 
uh, you know, certain vocational uh, aptitude. And I def- I def- we have to get into that. We do, because you guys, we have so much to cover. We have to take a quick break. Uh, to, as a reminder, we're speaking with Adrian Buskey uh, from Nerd for a Living, so stay tuned. Coming up, we have so much more to cover. We'll be right back after these words from our valued sponsors. There's something positive about the word up. When things are looking good, they're looking up. When someone's down, you cheer them up. So how do you move up? Well, when it comes to getting your bachelor's or master's degree, there's one university that stacks up, Brandman University. Brandman is ranked by U.S. News and World Report as one of the nation's top 10 universities for online bachelor's programs. Brandman's online graduate programs in business and education also receive top honors. So look us up at brandman.edu. Brandman University. Move up. Smart Business Network is a business-to-business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www.sbnonline.com. UPS Protection has been protecting systems in the U.S. against brownouts, blackouts, and poor quality power for over 25 years. We provide power protection systems, including UPS, lighting inverters, generators, and service for clients from coast to coast. We specialize in solving all your power needs. As a direct reseller of the best brands in the industry, including Liebert, Powerware, and APC, we can solve all your power protection needs. Protecting your power is our main goal. We offer on-site or depot repair of our critical equipment. To better serve your budget constraints, UPS Protection also offers both reconditioned and new products. Welcome back, everyone, to Critical Mass Radio Show. My name is Janice Davis, and I am your guest host today. I want to thank and acknowledge our listeners who download our show as a podcast. You have downloaded over 16,000 shows during the last 30 days, and we here at the program really appreciate your continued and growing support. All shows, of course, can be heard live on octalkradio.net or rebroadcast anytime from iTunes, Stitcher, and other business-oriented podcasting services. I'm speaking with Adrian Buskey from Nerd for a Living. And Adrian, we left off uh, discussing about how different uh, the languages in different uh, entertainment industries and really presenting yourself in the right uh, in the right way to get to get your credentials across. And you know, I really also want to jump into what we were discussing about what you can do, uh, what you can get from Nerd for a Living, you know, your core values as a company and and and, and the the things that you've learned across uh, across the way. Well, you know, the, at the core of it is, is simply that we want people to spend their lives and the hard work that they do every day uh, applying that to things that they're really passionate about. Um, so, you know, that, I mean, that's, that's what we're, we're looking for all the time is we're trying to find ways to, to give people pathways and, and information in order to get to those things because, you know, uh, you know, I mean, I think we've all done jobs that we didn't like, but I think, that, you know, we if we use them as, as learning experiences, the things that build us towards the careers that we really want and the things that we really love, I mean, that's that's the really great end goal. Um, I believe really passionately in working smart and working very hard and, you know, and applying yourself thoroughly to the things that you love. And, and, uh, and so that's, you know, what we try to pass on to, you know, the audience. Uh, and then uh, I think what we, talk, we talked about previously was kind of like where we had been at before and where we're leading to and how we help people with those things. And, and uh, that the next uh, stage for us is, is kind of twofold. One is, is that uh, we're moving into consulting services. And, uh, and that, um, there's a couple of different layers to it. Uh, sure. Some of it is, is personal consulting. So it's directly helping people kind of rebrand themselves, specifically in the online space, because that's our most direct, uh, you know, like specialty. But in general, as far as in the job hunt, in the way that you work within the job that you have, um, basically it's, you know, some career building kinds, kinds of things. And that's sort of a one-to-one basis. Um, we're kind of developing like packages and, and uh, you know, easy, 
uh, I don't want to call it plug and play per se, but it's kind of like that. Where sure. you know we find that that over and over again. I mean, everybody's a unique snowflake, but at the same time, people run into the same challenges, you know, often. And a lot of times, things that people are roadblocks that they're hitting, they may feel are, are really proprietary to them, uh, and you discover through conversation that it's the same stuff that people hit over and over again. And there's some good strategies to get around those things, and so we want to help with that. Um, and then we're also doing small business consulting. We've done some of that past, uh, right. and uh, um, and that's that's helping out. You know that that B2B stuff is helping out people that are uh, launching a new company, you know whether it's a small startup or you know more mid-sized company, uh, and you know and helping them figure out how to target and market in this niche area that is our specialty. And I'm hoping that as time goes along uh, and as we, you know, we build our name and build the brand uh, and show off more of our specialty, that we're going to be able to attack some of those, uh, those larger companies as well and, and uh, become a marketing resource for them. As sure. Well. Have, you, have you noticed that you've been facing challenges building this business over the past year that you could relay some things that you've learned or some things that we should take uh, take in consideration if we if we start to open a business in a similar genre um sure well you know there's there's a couple of things one uh you know right now this this business is is largely just my wife and i so uh you know we we are tasked with doing an immense amount of stuff like i said earlier I, I operate as the creative director. She's the marketing director. But really, we do everything, right. and it's this really broad range of stuff we have to do. So um, when you you combine the day to day activities with um, with also the travel, the speaking engagements, and and all the different hats we have to wear to to do what we do, um, it's very fulfilling. But it's really time consuming, and uh, and it's hard when you start looking at new things you want to offer, new places that you want to stretch and grow. Uh, like that can be difficult to do when you don't have all hands on deck right. uh, or, or you have all hands on deck and there's only two you know two sets of them. <laughs> right. um, no no we have we have um, some consultants that that we work with too people that are connections that we know in the space that uh that we got you know a, you know a long-term relationship with and so they contribute to us in, in ways in the background and we're looking at ways to move that forward but um, our next step in the next year is, is expansion and Figuring out how to uh, bring new people into the fold, bring the right people in, um, whether that means you know in in office here in St. Louis, or if that means you know telecommuting from various places around the country. Um, so that's uh, you know that's definitely a big challenge. Um, the other thing too is just starting a new business, particularly a smaller business uh, in this this day and age, is a a real challenge because of just the signal versus noise ratio. Right. Um, there's just so much out there, and uh, when you have when you have something that's got a little bit more of a unique flavor, uh, that helps you cut through the clutter. Um, but also, the more niche you are, you know, the less of a broad scatter shot that you have, um, the more that you're looking for a really, really targeted audience. And, and sometimes that can feel like you, your numbers are tiny, and, and other people might look at it and be like, oh, your reach is only so big, or you've only got you know, however many customers or something. But, uh, but in reality, the numbers of the game of that doesn't matter as much uh, especially for a small business, as it does the the true engagement and the real affinity that you have for the people that you're touching. Yeah. Would you so, say that um, that's one of your top tips? Is is to have a unique flavor to stand out? Yeah, I, when the when we designed the the brand as a visual and when we built the uh, the model for the company, uh, it was. It was it was basically a reaction to like uh, when I was talking about earlier like you know the conversations that we had with people saying what they were looking for we had a realization that we we didn't know anybody in the space that was doing and I say the space but the kind of a nerd world that was actively targeting this kind of like nerd as profession kind of area um, when I hit on the name for nerd for a living I said it out loud I was like my wife's eyes lit up and she had that oh my gosh that says exactly what we what we need to say. And, uh, and then, of course, we did furious Googling and, and asking around and researching and stuff. And, and we found, you know, a few sites here and there that were listing jobs or we talk about a very specific industry. Sure. Um, but there didn't seem to be anything that was hitting precisely what we had going on. And that was an important thing for us was, was to just not deliver another element of clutter out there. I, you know, I, that's something I think is that's really important for companies right now. Uh, for anybody launching a new business, is to ask the question of, does anybody need this? Is anybody looking for it? Right. Um, 
you know, sometimes you have a company that comes out with something that nobody needed, nobody wanted, and they turn it into Twitter. You know, and like, and it's like nobody thought that was a good idea, and then suddenly it's a thing we all use every day. Um, and those are few and far between, and they're amazing. But uh, but I think the vast majority of the time, it's it's you know, it's looking at what's out there and, and finding where there's a need. And um, and I, it's it's like when another person launches an entertainment blog or review site or you know any of this myriad number of of kind of easy startup, um, low risk, low reward kinds of you know kinds of things out there in the digital space. You can get lost. Uh, it just becomes you know, it just becomes one more thing that's out there that you know that everybody's dropping a business card on. And, right? No, it's true. Knew. Yeah, it's absolutely <laughs> true. And you're, you're speaking to my heart. You know, I'm getting excited because I I say the same thing. Uh, Simon Sinek in the TED Talk says, you know, people buy why you do it, not what you do. You know, and and they they want right. to hear that story behind it. They want to hear that personal touch. And it's just it's just, it's just a pleasure to have you. I cannot believe we're almost out of time. But seriously, Adrian, uh, uh, how can people get in touch with you uh, if they if they want to consult? Your services? Uh, well, you can find us at nerdforaliving.com, spelled just like it sounds, uh, all the word. And, uh, and we're on Twitter as at nerdforaliving. Pretty much if you just look up the word nerd for a, or phrase nerd for a living, you'll find us. Awesome. Uh, and then specifically, you can find me on Twitter as at Adrian Busky. And Adrian, I will see you, I'm sure, at another convention because you and I run into each other quite a lot. <laughs> Absolutely. It's where we, we live. Yes. So any of you at conventions in Chicago, San Diego, uh, New York, uh, you will definitely see us uh, at one of these conventions speaking on panels. And Adrian, uh, why don't you go ahead and just spell uh, your name for us just so everyone get, gets that right? Sure. It's A-D-R-O-N-B-U-S-K-E. Perfect. Perfect. Adrian, again, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I you, appreciate it. You are officially a friend of the program, and you are a part of the critical mass business community, as Rick likes to say. <laughs> Happy to be a part of it. Awesome. Well, we will talk to you soon, everyone. And, uh, I mean, Adrian, not everyone. Don't go away yet. I have more to say. But thank you, Adrian, again. Thank you much. I appreciate it. Uh, just as a reminder, everyone, the goal for this show is to help you, our listening audience of CEOs running middle market firms, to improve your decision-making skills. I would like to thank everyone for listening to today's broadcast. This show has been brought to you by Decision Toolbox, Smart Business Magazine, SNH Rubber, Succession Strategies, Center Club, Tone Software, UPS Protection, and MBN Design. I'd also like to thank Rick Franzi for inviting me to guest host today, and thank all the wonderful people who work so hard in Critical Mass Radio Show, including our engineer, Paul Roberts, our producer, Crystal Nunley, our guest coordinator, Kathleen Shepard, our live events manager, Asia Celestino, our social media manager, Melissa Padani, our VP of Sales, Rose Chimura, and our assistant producer, Amanda Pointer. I'm your host, Janice Davis, and you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at Janice Davis. That's G-E-N-E-S-E-D-A-V-I-S, and on my website, JaniceDavis.com. If you'd like to learn more about Critical Mass for Business or want to refer a future guest or advertise with us, visit our website at Critical criticalmassforbusiness.com. Until the next show, I hope all your decisions move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi. 